You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. The win. It's good. It's good. It's good. Presented by Crimson Crossover. Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now here are your hosts, Blake Byler. That's two out of 26 in his last four games at home. Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. And what is next to Butler Field? Arby's. Arby's. So Arby's. either A, Alabama basketball is forever it, it, eminent Built on Arby's. It literally built on Arby's, the program. Or it's the first thing you see when you walk in. Enjoy the show. All right, we are back for Blue Collar Unplugged Season 2 Episode, whatever number it is. But, folks, I think it's time that we sound the alarm. We, we might just be good. We might. This might be a really good basketball team. Uh, I'm here, Blake Byler, here with Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Um, we're here after the Phil Knight Invitational where Alabama posted a 2-1 record with wins over number 12 Michigan State. And number one, fraudulent number one, North Carolina, uh, with also a loss to UConn. Um, honestly, really solid, uh, a really solid and encouraging uh, showing over the weekend. Um, but before we dive into games specifically, uh, let's just get like one major takeaway from the weekend uh, from each of y'all. We'll start with Matthew. I think it's resiliency. I mean, I, they obviously had the game against UConn. UConn just kind of overpowered them physically. And, um, you know, Dan Hurley obviously had a fantastic game plan and Nate Oates talked about that in post game but to bounce back after that with a win over North Carolina who I think Jacob just mentioned it North Carolina's what third in experience in the country whereas Bama was what 270 270 so to do that without Noah Clowney no less was Mm -hmm. extremely impressive and again I think it just solidifies that Alabama is a real contender here in the SEC yeah I agree um I mean takeaways from the weekend is just strength against really good teams I mean you beat Hubert Davis and Tom Izzo Within the span of four days, like it's Tom is one of the greatest coaches. Hubert Davis, well on his way, and has shown himself to be a good coach throughout the way. Uh, North Carolina, a team that was in the national championship last year, I know we all kind of think they will lose a lot more games this year. Well, actually, probably about the same amount of games they lost last year, (laughs) Um, but they're not going to go wire to wire or anything like that. Uh, But they're still a very solid team. And then Michigan State with some injuries out, but again, uh, very physical, tall team. That plays a different style of basketball than we normally see with the SEC. Uh, playing that Big Ten on Thursday, uh, then ACC Sunday, and then uh, with the Big East Friday with UConn. And again, we did really definitely have a had a good plan for us coming in. Um, so that is a, a rough game, but good just experience to get to kind of take one on the chin. Um, I know there was periods of time in the UConn game where we kept it close, but obviously lost by 15, so did not do that. But uh, I just really like that everyone's able to contribute for the most part. Like we had – Brandon Miller had a great game Thursday. Everybody else kind of was able to ride the coattails, and uh, he drew a lot of attention. And he drew a lot of attention all week. Uh, Thursday he did a good job beating through it, but we had players come in when it mattered and perform well. Like yesterday you saw a lot of JQ um, – a lot of Sears. Sears was great yesterday. So everybody was able to contribute well um, and do what they needed to do to go two and one, which we all said was a successful result. Go ahead. Should we start with Michigan State and go forward or North Carolina and go backwards? Uh, let's do Michigan State. So yeah, Michigan we'll do State. Michigan State. Okay. So um, Alvin wins the game 
81-70. It wasn't really that close either. Um, Brandon Miller had an incredible game, 24 points. I think 17 came in the first half. Yes, or 17. Around yes. that, yep. and he just... Alabama was down, if I remember correctly, around six points with a couple minutes left in the first half, uh, and Miller just took over and got Alabama to a five-point lead at halftime with that deep three to end the half. I thought I knew the game was over when he hit that three. Uh, yeah. I was just that. That's like the mental dagger. It was almost. a complete momentum swing. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was incredible. Um, you saw you had a good game from Clowney. Um, he had ten points and uh, five, three, six rebounds. Namari Burnett had a good game yep. against mm-hmm. Michigan State. He had eight points on two of three shooting. Made both of his threes. He was just in the right spot. I thought he played really good defense that game. Um, a bit of an off night for Sears that day, two for ten. But obviously, we saw later in the uh, in the tournament that catching it, fire. There's no there's no worry <laughs> yeah. with Sears. Uh, Quinterly had a pretty good game off the bench, ten points, four of eight shooting. Um, but honestly, just the fact that Alabama was able to do what they did to Michigan State and lead by as many as eighteen in the second half against a veteran team like that goes a long way of showing how talented this Alabama team is. And uh, we know Michigan State was missing Malik Hall, right? Yeah, Malik Hall was out. Who was the other one they were missing? Jordan Akins? Yes. Yes. And so Hall would have been the primary matchup for Miller, which obviously they, they, they missed a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there was just nothing Michigan State could do. They, you know, obviously they had Hauser on him a good bit, and then, um, you know, um, gosh, who's the other guy? They had switched on. Pierre Brooks. Pierre Brooks. Yes. They, they just couldn't do anything with Miller's size, and I, I just... Had a great game from him. Gurley had a good game. Noah Gurley did have a good game. Yeah, Go- Noah Gurley had a great tournament. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, fantastic. He showed what really he can do good against really good competition. Exactly. He played 25 minutes against Michigan State. Looking at the box score here, um, which is crazy. Jaden Bradley had. Um, he didn't have a great game against uh, Michigan State, but we'll talk about him later against some other teams uh, that he performed well against. But uh, Clowney had three steals. Yep. That Noah, that's. Noah Clowney doing what Noah Clowney does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is everything. And it's the things you see in the box score, and it's everything else. Like, the, the role that he plays is really crucial. And Michigan State, they're sitting at 5-2. and two. Only losses are to Alabama and to Gonzaga by one point on a boat. Um, they almost choked the game to Portland. Did you watch that game, that was, Matthew? I didn't get a chance to. Me and Jake were watching that game, and they uh, it was a 10-point game with 50 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost by one, and and they had the shot. They had a and they had the to ball win to win, and he missed. Like, like Portland can shoot that thing. Like the, they got a steal. It was uh, Portland is Portland's flying. Like, oh yeah, Portland's radar, beating but... someone in the first round right now. Like I'm telling you right now, they're going to Portland yeah, is going I, to upset somebody in the first round. Yes, they the pilots looked awesome. I mean, they were giving North Carolina all they could handle, too. Oh, yeah. Like they were, and, and they, they beat, beat Villanova. Villanova's bad, but still. Villanova's beat. disgusting. Now, yeah, here's I'm what sorry. I don't yeah. understand about Portland is they can do this in the tournament, but they lose to Seattle U, Seattle University, by 12, and they lose to Kent State by 12. Hmm. Are they actually good, then? Yeah, I don't no, know. I would say Kent State is not bad. They did play Houston really, really well. They played Houston yeah. to five points. Yes. That's true. Was, was Walker out of that game for Houston? He played. He played? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I know he's been banged up a little hmm. bit. Yeah, I know he's but been banged he did up. Play. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I loved what I saw against Michigan State. Like it was definitely at times a grind, and we just kind of had to fight through uh, Hauser and Kohler, two of 
Kohler is Kohler shot Big up the man. ranks of like least favorite basketball players in college basketball. Yeah, he should, right he should have now. gotten like a multiple game suspension. Yes, for, yeah, he stepped, stepped on Diaco, right? I'm yeah. like honestly kind of surprised that Nike, like that, the Phil Knight people in charge of the tournament did not like have some role in that. I don't know. That just feels like the thing of like this is clearly like it's an exhibition. Like the games, you're getting rewarded for playing these games. There's not that much at stake. Like it send a message. I don't know. I, I think I was a little surprised there wasn't at least a comment about it. I saw a bunch of Michigan State fans complaining about that for one because they thought that Bediaco, with his legs underneath Kohler, was trying to kick Kohler over, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. If you watch that video, Charles Bediaco is just laying there, and Michigan State fans are complaining that Bediaco is trying to tip him over, and obviously it's just Kohler just stepping on Bediaco's leg right, cause intentionally. Because he, he just fouled Bediaco. Exactly. Yeah. And he was mad, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, he can cry in the fifth place game. So. <laughs> so then, after that game, we, I, UConn. the UConn game was rough. It did happen. Yeah. I can tell it you happened. that the game happened. Adama Sonogo happened. Is, Sonogo is what happened. Good. UConn is really good. I am they are. now bullish on the Huskies. Yeah, what are, what are they, eight in the recent? They're eighth in the AP poll. I think they're, they're, they're what are they in Ken Palm? They're, I think they're six. They were sixth somewhere. They're sixth. Yeah, they were they're sixth. They're sixth in Ken Palm. Um, that, that's a really good – that's a good squad. Yeah. Um, their game plan for Brandon Miller was perfect. Yeah, they um, took him out. Completely. They had – who was guarding him mainly? Was it Haw- – no, it wasn't Hawkins, was it? Did they have – was it Caravan? <laughs> I think it was Caravan. Yes. It was yeah, it was Caravan. It was Caravan. Um, and they – Hawkins – Shot three of six from three in that game. He was really good. Yeah. Sonogo had 25 points. He was unstoppable. Um, I also think Hawkins wall hit of a threes person. every time that we got close. So like, did uh, Joey Calcaterra. Yes. Yep. Uh, he didn't miss a three. He was two for two. Yeah. Every time they needed just one of those to kind of cool off one of our runs to get mm-hmm. into two or three, they, they got it. It was a terrible first half, too. Alabama had 17 so. turnovers in the first half. They weren't playing with the intensity that they played with against Michigan State, and no. it felt like a very like they're they're freshmen, and they they played like a bunch of freshmen and newcomers and a bunch like a young team that had just come together, coming off a big win. Literally the next day, they played less than twenty four hours later. Yep. Uh, and so you really saw that youth, um, but the fact that they were only down by the halftime, despite all of that, oh yeah, was impressive to me. Um, but then you go to the second half, and I think it was it was. It was pretty close to begin the second half. I until think they around... were tied at 50. I'm actually, I have the the game cast right here. Yeah, pull that up. But I think around the seven-minute mark is when it really started to go downhill for Alabama. And the, it the was game. tied at 52 with 8.55 to play. And then you look up, and it's 73 to 54. Yeah. yeah. So that's a 18-2 um, to two run. Not great. Not good. Um, and it all happened in the span of from 8.50. To the three-minute mark. So five Yeah, minute five mark. minutes. Alabama scored, like, nothing. Um, and that was... That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was just, honestly, I think it was a lot of product of youth and not being able to, like, contain. Like, a veteran team's getting hot. They're capitalizing on your mistakes. You're getting down on yourself mentally. Right. And then, just like that, a two-point game can turn into a ten-point game. And by then, it's over because you're already beaten with very few minutes left in the game. 
you're not going to come back down 19 with three minutes left. Not not against a team like UConn who can, was defending as well as they were. Uh, I thought though, uh, I thought Jaden Bradley had a really good game. Yeah. yeah, he did. He had 12. He was three or four from the field, six of eight from the free throw line. Uh, Miller still had 18. Um, he, he just it was a, gets it was a, his like it, it was yeah, like it was he's always going to get his. It was five of 15 from the floor. Um, but we were noticed that this was more prevalent in the UConn game, but he wasn't finishing well. It's two of nine. Um, and he hasn't finished well around the basket much of the season, no. uh, which hasn't been a problem against like Liberty or Longwood. Um, but it has been a bit of a problem against better defensive teams. Yeah. like UConn Just teams with length are, are giving Miller issues, and I think that's just a product of him being a younger guy and still trying to figure out his, you know, on some of those possessions where he's dropping to the paint. And he's going like, to... Bigger bodies. I have faith that... That that's just something that's going to take oh, work. Yeah. He I mean, faces he's, guys like that throughout the season. He'll get with with at some it. of those layups, he's really close on finishing a lot of those. They're just mm-hmm. not yeah. going in for him yet. And he, he, a lot of them are very close, and a lot of them like he just kind of goes up slow and a little weak. And like I feel like he's gotten swatted like once or twice. Oh, every he game. Oh, this versus UConn, I think UConn got, versus UConn, I think he got swatted four or five times. I think Hauser got him once or twice, been, yeah. like or Kohler, and then yesterday I believe Baycott and maybe Leaky Black got him. I mean, like yeah. again, really good defensive teams, but like with this team, like from what we've seen, like I mean, we beat two of the three of those, right? But we need him to be able to do that in the games that hopefully will matter deep into March. Uh, but like two of nine from. Two-point land against UConn, not awesome. Uh, definitely not what you want. I would be interested to see his chart, shot chart on that, um, just him individually on where specifically, because he does like to take some of those fadeaways, and like he can make those. Like oh, He's yeah. a scorer. Uh, but as far as finishes at the rim, what that exactly looks like, uh, I think it will come around. I think this weekend was kind of good for him to realize, okay, I'm not – I'm not all the way there yet. Like I'm not where exactly where I want to be. Uh, obviously, shooting it well from three, and has shot form from there. It's just it's silky, it's smooth, but enough to get him motivated to continue to shoot from two and really grind on that and get to where he can do well against that. Because we'll play teams with good rim defenders and need to be able to for right. him to get around and that. and what I like about Miller too is it it really doesn't phase him like phase him even mm-hmm. when he's you know struggling. I, I he has that mentality of you know I'm gonna keep doing what I'm gonna do. I, I versus <laughs> UConn. I mean it, he. Obviously, didn't have his best game, but you could still see, you know, the look on his face. It shoot didn't shoot. bother him. Yeah. Shoot or shoot. And he doesn't, like, his body language never gets bad. No. From mm-hmm. what I've noticed. Like, even when he's having an off game, like, he's still going to, like, pull up and be confident in his shot. Yeah. I don't, I didn't even, like, even against the North, in the North Carolina game where it was really bad, like, I didn't see his head hang. No. Really, and he still guarded hard. Whereas, I feel like last season when some guys had shots that weren't falling, you wouldn't see as much check out. necessarily defensive intensity from them. Um, so it's good that even in spite of that, he still plays hard and he wants to overcome it. Um, I also didn't realize that Quinterly only had three points against UConn. Yeah, didn't notice that. One, one for six, or was that? He didn't play, for he didn't play a ton he of minutes. He only played 16, 16 minutes. minutes, yeah. So also, Ryland Griffin, 12 minutes, two for two from three. Griffin, three Griffin, boards, excuse me. Griffin was really good all weekend, I thought. I did too. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he looked his shot from three point land looked a lot better, a yeah. lot more fluid. So, I mean, I, Alabama needs that from him. I think because yeah. prior to the tournament, he was shooting what like twenty one percent from three, something really bad. Awful. Yeah. Like, awful. It was like it was seventeen. Little, I think. Was it seventeen? Yeah. A lot of it in like I think the first two games just kind of killed his. He had multiple games percentages. Yeah. Really, Longwood and South Alabama because mm-hmm. Liberty and J State he played fine. Great. Yeah. He had multiple one for yeah. seven from three. 
games in Coleman. Uh, but he went two for two against UConn, and he made his only shot against North Carolina. And, like, if that's his role, if he comes in and he plays scrappy defense and comes in and hits a three or two, like, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. Um, so the UConn game it ends in a 15-point loss, but I was, like, I was even talking to Jacob after the game, and I was like, I'm not worried about that because that, that was a lot of Alabama's really young and UConn's really good is what I took from that game, just to summarize it. Uh, but then North Carolina loses their semifinal game to Iowa State, and Caleb Love, not Caleb Love, Caleb Grill for Iowa State had 29 points. The grill was hot. The grill was the grill hot. Was hot. Uh, Bama fans, if you remember the 2020 Maui game against UNLV, you'll remember the name Caleb Grill. But they lose that game, which sets up Alabama and North Carolina, what a lot of people thought would be the championship game, but in the third place game. And this game was one of the wilder games that I've seen. Um, Matthew mentioned the resiliency, and I think that was probably my biggest takeaway as well because you have uh, guys playing their third game in four days in quadruple overtime, and they they had every chance to lose it. They also had a lot of chances to win it. But they had every chance to lose it, and they still found a way uh, to win. I went back and I was watching highlights earlier today. I forgot they were down six in triple overtime. Yeah, they were. And still forced another one. Yeah, I, like, I don't were, really know how. There were multiple times where I thought that game was over, and it wasn't, which says a lot, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, we came back in also games where I thought, like, what we got up for in the second overtime – uh, went up, had all the momentum. North Carolina was kind of dead, and then they came back. And then, but we still didn't give up. Like we kept on pushing, um, and just I mean, fought. Like you, you take a team with that deep of a rotation, that much strength, that was like a second half collapse away from a, a national championship. Like and it's the same team. Like you take away Brady Manick and you add Pete Nance, who's better. Like you have a very strong U, or UNC team that. It's playing and it's experienced, strong and big, and you take them consistently and you beat them. That's huge in four overtimes. It's very big, and I think it's big for the confidence of a young team, uh, because y- you know how like it's big to come off a loss and then get a big win. Whereas like if we were sitting here in Alabama had lost two games in a row right now, and you're looking ahead and you are like, oh, we got Houston, we got Memphis, you got. Gonzaga ahead of you coming off two straight losses it you start to you could start to spiral mentally looking at that schedule but you come off and you get a win and you're like oh okay South Dakota State Saturday then you get the chance to go give Houston a battle then Gonzaga gets to come here and so it just changes the whole mindset getting that win even though resume wise it wouldn't have like a four overtime loss doesn't mean it's, it's not detrimental no it's all feel right I think some of the best performers in that game, um, we talked about how Miller had an awful game. Um, just not great. Four of 21 from the field. He had zero points and three fouls in the first half. Um, just could never get it going. Ended up 14 points and seven rebounds still, uh, thanks in part to the four overtimes. But he, but he was stat padding, baby. He was not great. Um, Mark Sears was incredible, though. He was he was great. He played 55 minutes, which is all but five One. minutes in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he, he played left 60. The, I don't think he left the floor in overtime. In any of the overtime. Like, I, I think he was on there every 
play of every possession, and I think probably JQ. Uh, I think that may be right because I, I feel like only uh, seven players played in overtime. I think because it was that it was the starting. Actually, no, Burnett didn't play in overtime. Yeah, that was I. I know that was because he had four fouls, but it was still interesting that we didn't see him like a, a gamble Again, on him yeah. at all. The overtime, like I think the main overtime five was Sears, Quinterly, Miller, Gurley, Bediaco, mm-hmm. and then I think your sixth was. Uh, Bradley. Yep. yep. And Bradley came in to either spell Bediaco when he was tired or um, for Gurley, I think. Yep. But speaking of Bediaco. I mean, Angry best, Chuck. He was incredible. The best too. player on this basketball team. Is he? He might be. He played like it on uh, on Sunday. What impressed me so much about Charles, man, he played with four fouls for how long? Uh, I think like from the seven minute mark. He in, he in and regular. Brandon Miller both. He and Brandon Miller, Miller both. Miller played stayed with four in there. fouls for thirty minutes. Yeah, like he had four fouls. The amount 16 of to go. The amount of discipline that takes against a team like North Carolina that is very physical down low. It's that was impressive. I, I blew my mind. Really, really. Fourteen point awesome sixteen rebounds. And three blocks. And the yeah. game and two the game, game this, the game, game winning steal. steal. Yeah. The game steal. Like he against was Pete Nance. Everywhere. Also to get the ball back out to someone who could shoot the Bradley. free throw. In exactly. That same time frame. Yes. Like, like he was everywhere. He was doing everything. Uh, Bill Walton, as as much crazy as he says on the broadcast, uh, Alabama pulled Bediaco at the start of the third overtime, and they went down six. And Walton was like, Alabama's falling apart because Bediaka's not in the game. Right. And he was right. Like, no, he, <laughs> it was true. Like, against a team like North Carolina with such strong physical presence and great drivers, you've got to have the strong center that Charles Bediaka is. And two, like, to shorten their possessions. Like, everybody was tired. They weren't making their shots. But to keep Armando Baycott from getting as many rebounds as he would have. Like, right. And fight, like, fight him off the line, give Alabama a chance to continue to go up and win the game. I mean that's massive. Like you can't let's, quantify the yeah. effort that he. Let's did. talk about that. Those last couple possessions with Bidiaco specifically. Obviously, twenty six seconds left in overtime. Four. He, you know, converted that little layup. Bama takes the lead. It's 102-101. North Carolina has it with about eight seconds left. Um, you know, Kale Glove gets into the paint. And he has that goaltending call, and that was a block uh-huh. by Bidiaco. It was a block. Correctly called. It was a correctly block. correctly called a block. Yes. And the possession arrow goes back to Alabama. It's Bama ball. Then we have Jaden Bradley throw it away, too. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> that was, for so Alabama have, fans, that was a moment of, like, just sheer fear, Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. So but, he um, throws it away, and then, so UNC then gets it. Yeah, with Pete Nance inbounding it. They, they have it on um, their side of the court with about, I think, seven seconds left. Nance throws it in. And guess who? Charles Vidiaco quickly passes to Bradley. Foul. Bradley hits a free throw. Misses the next one. North Carolina can't do anything. That's the game. Bradley was not great from the free throw. He was not. That he was, was actually bad from the free he throw. He was bad. He's two of five, which that's not great. But Alabama as a whole was not good from the free throw line. No. 13 of 21. 13 of 21. Which if Sears. They missed a lot of timely Sears free throws missed. too. Sears missed the one that would have made it 78-77. Yep. In regulation. Yeah. Yes, that's which, right. By no means. I mean, he had twenty four. So like, no, this is, all, all we are not slandering Mark Sears. But man was seven of eleven from three. I think he started four for four. I think you're right. And then I think he was like five for six. And I think he went one of like the last five. But probably because he played fifty five. He played fifty five minutes. minutes. Yeah, so. He was eight for thirteen from the field. 
Uh, he had some nice buckets inside. He still had five rebounds and five assists. He, he is exactly as advertised. He got better. Some, yeah, I've, I remember correctly. He got some big defensive boards. I, I think um, of his rebounds, like all I think four of them were defensive boards. I mean, I he, he guards he guards too. too. Exactly. I mean, I he loves to guard. And obviously, those are two really tough assignments with with Love and uh, and Davis. Davis. So it's a good backcourt. It is a good backcourt. Also, to kind of sustain, like he was on. Caleb Love, whenever he would make some of those shots, like the big bank three, which is just like, okay. like You oh, shut him down, oh, close him out for nearly the entire shot clock, and then he banks that in. Uh, just to kind of weather the storm and stay focused and stay mentally engaged. And beyond mentally engaged to, like, you were winning the mental battle no matter what, and that's what Sears did. Uh, I mean, just incredible performance from him. That is, like, watching the Ohio film of him getting open for shots, hitting his shots, and tough finishes at the rim. He's doing that. He's doing it's that awesome. on the good competition. Like, a great competition that we're playing. There's no mid-major drop-off. Like, he's a good player. CC Hunter Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that really hurt Alabama was losing Noah Clowney to that. It, it looked really rough whenever it happened. Um, but I'm thinking it's just, like, a butt bruise? Yeah. Out with yeah. a butt. <laughs> uh, he played. He only played three minutes before he got hurt. Um, but he would have been very helpful against Baycott and Nance down low. Yeah. Uh, so it's a shame that Alabama couldn't have him. But Gurley played really well in his place. Yeah. Uh, Gurley played 42 minutes. He was 3 of 5 from 3. Yeah, he shot really well from wow. the yard. He was 3 of 5, um, made his free throws, 4 of 7 from the field, 6 rebounds. Ended with 13 points, which I think is a season high for him. I believe so. I think that's with the. I think I remember seeing that on the broadcast yesterday. Right, that, that's so a season high. He was just fantastic. Like he has shown um, a whole new level of maturity. I think um, for Alabama, and I was looking at. Let me let me double check. But I was looking at Kempom Plus on the sub patterns, and in close games, which I guess there's only really been one close game, but uh, the close. Like the closing lineup for Alabama was Sears, Quinterly, Gurley, Miller, Vediaco. Which I think is interesting because Alabama is a really young team, but that's a really that's kind of a better five. Lineup, yeah. because uh, you have Sears and Quinterly and um Sears, Quinterly, and Gurley, all upperclassmen. Yeah. And then you have Vediaco, who's a veteran at this point, but he's a sophomore, and Miller. Um, which I really like as a closing lineup. And I like the lineups of Sears and Quinterly on the floor at the same time. Yeah, it, it frees Quinterly up to be able to be a the creator and then Spears, the, gives Sears the time off ball to just hit shots and then make runs and get creative. And I really like the fact that the starting lineup hasn't changed because I haven't seen a reason to. No. Like, I've, I've really, I really like the balance that the starting five gives of Sears, Burnett, Miller, Clowney, and Bediaco. I think the only, like, I don't even know if I could, if I see a, a potential change. Like, do you? No. I mean, I if there's one guy that you want to single out, maybe Namari Burnett. That's I, I maybe Quinterly I, for Burnett, but I feel like Quinterly's better off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't really see any changes being made to yeah. this Alabama lineup unless Don Welch, who oh I forgot unless, about yeah, Welch. unless Welch comes back and really impresses, I, I don't see this lineup. Being I guess Welch it's, could start like if he's like if he's making like forty five percent of his threes or something like yeah, that, then yeah. put him in at the two, but. Or is he supposed to be back this Saturday? Who knows? Do we I, know? Who knows at this point? I would assume no. Um, uh-huh. I would assume maybe, maybe they're gearing him for Houston. Houston? Yeah. I hope. I'd... Yeah. That would be nice. 
One thing I do want to point out, though, is I want to talk about Quinn Early's game from last night. Um, there, there, I've seen a lot of talk on on Twitter um, about people upset with Quinn Early's uh, shooting percentage and his iso ball uh, play in, in overtime games and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, he shot 8 of 26 from the field, which is not great. Um, but what I will say is dude played 44 minutes. It was his third game in four days, eight months off an ACL tear. Um, so whenever you have that much, like, legs are gone, it's you saw from both sides the execution was rough towards the ends of the of overtime, the rest of the overtimes, because everyone's exhausted by that point. They're just trying to get to the end of the game. Uh, I thought Quinterly played excellent defense, and he made life extremely difficult for R.J. Davis, uh, who was usually his matchup, or even if he was on love towards the end of the game for them to get shots up. Yep. Um, and he still had 21 points. He had eight assists and six rebounds. And I, I thought just he did his job really well. Now, I will say to the iso ball point, um, it is tough. That I, I would have loved to see more more sets run, maybe toward the end of games and, and less isolation there. But also, you're gonna like I understand that you're gonna just put the ball in your best playmaker's hands and see what he does with it. And now a lot of people are probably saying give Brandon Miller the ball, but I think Quinterly's a better playmaker than Brandon Miller, a better creator probably at this point in the season. Well, that's the thing if you. In those final possessions, Javon Quinterly has the ability to get guys like Brandon Miller open mm-hmm. for exactly. shots that Alabama wants to hit. So I, mean, I, I think with what Quinterly has been doing, obviously people have been upset with some of the just constant drives to the paint, but I, that's that's what, what opens up that offense for Alabama. It allows Absolutely. Bama to get those shots for Sears. It allows you know, him to take pressure off of uh, Clowney and um, Bidiaco for some of those little dump-offs in the paint. Like I, It's it's what makes that Alabama offense run. And you know, with, with Quinterly... That's such a big aspect of what Alabama wants to do, and um, you know you you gotta you gotta live with it sometimes. And you know there are gonna be shots that you're like, oh, why did he do that? And obviously that's just gonna happen. But for what Alabama wants to do, Javon Quinterly is just a massive part of that, and just you know those constant putting pressure on the defense and the interior. Yeah, I mean he just creates so well, uh, and he's such a, a factor defenses have to take into account for and. Whenever like everybody's tired, there's not as much movement uh, in overtime, and now there is something to be said too about well, we didn't even try to call a set like in set plays in overtime, and I, there is something there's, to that yeah, as well. Yeah, there's a valid criticism with some of that, I think. But no, for sure, and I, I think that's obviously in, uh, Oates. But if he trusted Quinterly with the ball, um, he did enough to create and try and get shots up. I know it was kind of hard to watch what end of the first overtime and regular the like regular time that he missed or got a shot swatted to win the game at the buzzer. Uh, but, I mean, he also, like I said, had such a great game and a lot of other <coughs> contributions that that just is the way that that game played out. It was the third game in four days, went to four overtimes. Like, that's – we will not see the offense look like that all the time. Like, it, it looked a little bit like what it happens whenever I play 2K and I just don't really know how to do anything else but <laughs> dribble forward and – do that spam with my cards. Yeah, 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 spam threes like that. But I don't. I mean, we've seen the offense look great, so we will, we got the win. That's they, what matters. Well, while they did spam threes, they spam threes at a high clip. Uh, very they, high. Alabama shot they, what forty two percent from well. three, made yeah. sixteen of them. So the team I mean, can shoot. Stop saying the team can't. Like, stop being worried. The they got shooters. Shoot. They got shooters. Yeah. Now, do we have anything else we want to talk about, Phil Knight? The or do we want to look ahead to the Jackrabbits? 
Two and one, good showing. Good yeah, wins. good showing, good showing. Uh, Alabama's ranked eleventh right now, which I think is pretty fair. Honestly, I think so. It's around where yeah. I would have them. I think there's like fourteenth in Ken Palm, right? Yeah, fourteenth in Ken Palm. Um, no one really in the top ten that I could definitively say we should be over, like I th- in the AP poll. Um, yeah, I, I, think I agree. I think we're accurately ranked. I think who is it? We said UConn's at eight. I think they UConn should be. Should be I think UConn should be ahead of Baylor, but that's just me. Yeah, I think Baylor is the only one that I. Th- I don't know if we were, should be ranked above them, but I don't know if they should be in the top ten. As of, as of right Maybe. now, from body of work, they play Gonzaga this week. They That'll do. Be fun. I, th- I think they're going to be Gonzaga. Um, but Alabama has one game this week: South Dakota State on Saturday. Uh, the Jackrabbits no longer have Baylor Shireman. He is tearing it up. For the Creighton Blue Jays, yep. uh, another very good basketball team. Very good. Uh, South Dakota State is one hundred fortieth in Ken Palm. They're three and four on the season. They have wins over Boise State, Saint Bonaventure, and Valpo, which is fun. But they have an overtime loss to Akron, a loss to Stephen F. Austin, a loss to James Madison, Ooh, and a blowout loss is. to Arkansas. They lost to James Madison on Saturday by nineteen. Which I don't think James Madison is very good. No. So. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if the South Coast State team is gonna. I, I think this too might, much. No. This might be a route. Yeah. It, it, this should be. It should I, be a route. I, mean, I, I don't think they have the shooting that they did last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they're not putting up the performances they did <coughs> last year. So I'm. Yeah. I don't expect there to be too much in this for us. They're 125th in offense. They're 152nd in defense. It's. Ugh. Yeah, this is this is not great. <laughs> this is like wow bad and for South Dakota State. Offensive rebound percentage for them is three hundred sixty first. This is where turnover you, percentage three hundred fifty seventh. So oh wow ah that's really bad. That's not good. Yeah, so if you're Alabama, you need to see like th- this should be a. I bet Alabama's favored by 16, 17 points, and Alabama yeah. should cover, especially considering what they've done to other inferior teams that they've played. Yep. Um, Only haven't covered spread twice this year. If you haven't gone and seen this team play in person, you should go do that because this team is really fun. Uh, when's the game is at seven thirty, right? Yep, seven thirty Saturday. What are you uh, going to be doing? You're not watching the SEC championship. It'll be over. Like, uh, SEC championship will be over. There you yeah. go. What's the night game? The ACC championship. No one if, wants if to watch. If you were staying home Disgusting. to watch North Carolina Clemson rather than going to Coleman Coliseum to watch the Alabama. Beat the Jackrabbits by a billion. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. The Big 12 championships in the morning. So you'll, there, you'll get to watch. There's literally no excuse. And, and when TCU wins, then you'll move on and you'll go watch basketball instead. Yep. Right? Of course. Yeah. The, let's get a score prediction because those are fun. Well, Ken Palm has this one, a Bama victory, 84 to 66, and a 95% chance at victory. Love, love the 90% chances of victory. That's nice. I'm going to say... 87. Let me go 87 to 66. Um, so, what are they? 21 points. I'm going to go 94 to. Wow. 94 to 64. We'll say 94. 30 64. point yeah, win? I think so. Is that betting advice? Maybe. Okay. Take that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, this game's going to be pretty fast. I mean, they they play up, they yeah. play fast. They're, they're 66th in or somewhat adjusted fast, tempo, uh, or not not 66th. Yes, yeah, 66th. Sorry, a lot of a lot of numbers here. Uh, uh, we're top 20 in tempo. Like we are, we're going to run. Like and we'll be able to make them run, uh, especially if they are that bad in offensive rebounding. Well, like Chuck and Clowney and Sears are going to have a field day getting boards. Hopefully, Clowney plays and yeah. yeah it, Assuming Clowney plays, um, I was I was going to mention South Dakota State is a little team too. They are yeah. oh they were small. They're last horrendously year. small. And we, so, we beat that them was on the first size that was the first didn't have yeah size. that was the first Chuck game like the big Chuck game mm-hmm. last year because I think it was the second game of the year and he had a lot of points just and and with how much he's bulked up and grown he might be in for a very very big game once again. Also now that we know he can spin off of great centers like. Armando Baycott. That spin uh, move, that baseline impressive. spin move, I've never seen him do that before. Yeah. It was crazy. Chuck's evolved. He, he must have. Yeah. But yeah, really excited for that game. And then we're going to we're gonna have an episode before Houston, right? Yes. yes. We'll have an episode next week before Houston. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We may have an unnamed guest appearing, but you'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BCU Podcast, and you can find all of our uh, personal Twitters and everything there. Uh, but thank you for listening.